Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Thank you for joining me for another podcast. Hey, there's a couple of things coming up uh, on the calendar that I want to remind some of you of. Uh, In just a few days, I will be in... uh, the Boston area, or outside Boston, about an hour or so, where I will be doing a roundtable with Tony Cook. If you're in the Northeast and you would like to just sit in on a great leadership event, I want to invite you to come. Also, for those of you that have never gone to uh, Gerald Brooks Ministries uh, and looked at all of our resources and our schedules, I want to encourage you to do that. Hey, uh, today I want to talk to you about leadership extremes leadership extremes. Um, Many of the traits that can be so positive about a leader can also be problematic to a leader. So issues that a leader needs to be very strong in can also create distortion in if they're not balanced out. So the very traits that make someone a great leader at times can disqualify them in leadership. So every leader must maintain balance and perspective, and they have to marry and couple together uh, opposing principles if they are going to be an effective leader. So let me just illustrate simply. Um, As a leader, you need humility, and humility is the ability to take the second seat at times, to not run towards the stage, but many times to take the second position. But humility can be a trait that is so positive, but at the same time, a leader needs confidence. So how do you balance humility and confidence together? That's one of the things that a leader has to do, that they have to be able to thread the needle. And what about uh, focus, one of the most outstanding skills of a leader? Leaders that I know are highly focused, but yet in the middle of being focused, you have to maintain flexibility. So how do you have humility and confidence? How do you have focus and flexibility? And then one of the things that comes into play uh, more often than leaders may want to acknowledge is how do you create love as a loving, positive team atmosphere, and yet at the same time execute judgment that sometimes you have to be straightforward. So how do you exercise love and yet develop judgment? And I know some of you are saying, well, the Bible says do not judge. But in Philippians chapter 1, and I believe it's verse 9, it says that you may grow more and more and abound in love but in all judgment. So how do you take love that seems to be, I'm going to give you uh, every opportunity and judgment. Hey, you know, uh, we're at the end of the rope here. How do you balance those out? And then how do you balance out spirituality and practicality? How do you balance out being spiritually dynamic, but you're not so spiritually consumed that you lose all practical relevance? So the ability to navigate these circumstances is one of the things that leaders have to do. And it's easy to go to an extreme. It's easy to be the humble person who lacks confidence, 
the focused person who has no flexibility, the loving person who never makes tough decisions, and the spiritual person who has lost all sense of practicality. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through several leadership uh, positions to understand how to manage the strength and the weakness of them. And what I want to do is I want to give you several leaders in the Bible who had to come to terms with managing extremes. Some of them were successful in coming to terms. Some of them were not successful. And as a result, they ended up struggling. So let me start off with the I can do it all leader. See, that's one of the things that leaders deal with is that I can do it all. See, the nature of leadership is you want the ball in your hand. You want to take the last shot. You want to be the person up to bat with uh, two outs and two strikes on you and a runner's in scoring position. And if you hit the ball and you hit that ball decisively, that everything's going to be all right and you're going to win the game. That I can do it all mentality. Well, we see an example of that in a man who's pretty famous as a leader. His name was Moses. And Moses is now leading millions and millions of people. And as he's leading millions of people, people are coming to him every day and they're telling him their struggles, they're telling him their problems, they're telling him their challenges, they're telling them their difficulties, they're telling them everything. But a friend of Moses, his father-in-law comes in and he observes this. And he says to Moses, he says, I need to let you know that what you're doing is going to hurt you and it's going to hurt the people. It's interesting that whenever a leader goes to extremes, there's always a casualty report. And the casualty report is, is that they hurt themselves and as well as tensioned as they may be, they hurt other people that they're trying to lead. And so Moses is sort of befuddled by this. Well, he's just trying to help people. And when you're trying to help people, what's wrong with helping people? But the father-in-law pointed out some strategic things. That one of the things that if a leader's not careful, there is the need to be in control of everything. That's what Moses was doing. He was the only one that could give the right advice. He was the only one that could really come up with the complex uh, solutions to the problems that people had. He was the only one that really cared enough. He's the only one that could do it well. The need to be in control of everything. The idea that I know how to do it right. See, one of the things that we've taught in the past is this, is that excellence can kill that sometimes leaders are so demanding on the action of excellence, you've got to do this right, and there's only one way to do it right, that pretty soon that you forget what the Bible calls us to isn't excellence as an action, but excellence as an attitude. Because in Daniel, it said about Daniel, he had a spirit of excellence. That's different than being excellent in everything you do. Because if you have a standard of excellence that's so profoundly high that you're unable to be able to let other people try to do things, then the excellence 
will be the very thing that kills you. And so what Moses was struggling with is that I know how to do this and I know how to do it right. But the struggle to watch other people learn to do something and even at times fail to do something. The danger zone that this creates is too many hours uh, creates control on the inside which becomes a powder keg on the outside. And so when you're very controlling of how to do it and how to do it right, and you're the only one that can do it, you can create control on the inside that causes you to be close to exploding on the outside. Now, every leader has moments where they have to stand alone. But God never intended that any leader work alone. And if the only way your leadership standards can be met is if you're doing it yourself, then what I want to politely say to you is you're not doing it how God wanted you to do. So Moses, he had to overcome the I can do it all excess. Going to the extreme, I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the only one that can handle these issues. I'm the only one who can handle this correctly. He had to deal with it. Now, being honest with you, um, this would be a tendency to me because I know a lot of things and at times giving people the opportunity to work through the learning curve when you know how to do it and you can get it done quickly and you can get it done right. But what you can do isn't necessarily what God wants you to do. What's easy for you isn't always what's best for the organization. And if I could just inject here, it's at this place, some of you need to pause the podcast and say, is this possibly me? Have I gone to a leadership extreme? There's another example of a leadership extreme, and that is the the self-obsessed leader. The self-obsessed leader. And an example of that is King Saul. In the Old Testament, King Saul was the very first leader of Israel. And as the first leader of Israel, uh, God chose him for very specific reasons. We're told in Samuel that he was chosen because he was small in his own eyes. He didn't take himself too seriously. But what happened is the more he went forth in leadership, the more he created an environment where he became self-obsessed. It had to be about him. Now, the self-obsessed leader overestimates themselves. They, they really have a disproportionate view. The self-obsessed leader becomes impatient with others. Man, I just don't have time for this. The self-obsessed leader thinks they're smarter than everyone else. And the self-obsessed leader really thinks they can do better than others. This leader can't share the stage. And they're consumed with appearance. How do we look? What we know is this. That Saul was a great leader. But when God started raising up David, he struggled in his leadership journey. 
And the reason being was now he was having to share the leadership platform. Someone else was getting attention. Someone else was being recognized. And this was something that was just too much. Why? Because when you're self-obsessed, you never want to share the moment with anyone else. And we've talked to you about it. If you're a leader, you have to be better at we than me. You have to be better at we, what we can do together than me. And when you're better at we, that is the condition that God all wants us in. Now, the danger zone for the self-obsessed leader is this. They lose touch with reality. They start out maybe with a high reality connection. But the longer they lead, they lose touch with reality. And the answer is that if you're a leader, everyone needs someone who can tell them no. So who is it in your life that can say, hey, buddy, take a step back, take a deep breath, look around, understand that you do a great job at a lot of things, but it's not all about you. It's not about how you look. It's not about you being on the stage. It's about the profound effect of us being better together. So in leadership, the question isn't, how do you look? In leadership, the question is, how do we look? In leadership, the question isn't, well, what can I do? In leadership, the question is, what we can do? And so God always creates this idea that we decrease so that he can increase. And so God looks at us and says, hey, can you take that step back and can you step down a level so that I can begin to up the level of the whole thing? So that self-obsessed leader, what did they do? It's all about them. And it's an extreme everyone can go to because if you're a leader, you've been put on a platform. But when you've been put on that platform, you've got to realize The only reason you're on that platform is so that you can point to other people. So the individual who says, I can do it all, the individual who becomes self-obsessed, and then there's the paranoid leader. And the paranoid leader shows up in a man in the Bible called Gideon. Now, what we know is that Gideon was a man who had extreme inferiority. And if we could go to the New Testament, we would refer to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, where God told through Paul, Timothy, that God has not given you a spirit of fear. God hasn't given you a spirit of inferiority, but of power and love and a sound mind. So here's the deal. What we know about people who are paranoid in their leadership journey is they're slow to trust God and they're slow to trust others. See, Gideon was slow to trust God. When the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and began to talk to him, he immediately began to 
respond back and he said, oh, you don't want to talk to me because I'm the least person in the least tribe of the least family in all of Israel. This guy had taken inferiority and he had taken it to the very extreme. He's the least person in the least family of the least tribe. What is he saying? You can't use me. God, I know you may be saying something, but I can't believe that. It's just you don't know everything about me. They're slow to trust. They're also quick to place blame. And so one of the things that Gideon literally asked is, well, where are the miracles of our fathers? And what he was basically saying is, God, you've disappointed us. The reason we're in these circumstances is that you've let us down. And when you're paranoid on the inside, you tend to place blame on God or you take blame on others. And a paranoid leader lets their circumstances define their faith rather than their faith define their circumstances. And while that's another place where some of you need to pause and you need to ask yourself, where in my life am I letting my circumstances define my faith rather than my faith defining my circumstances? And one of the things that paranoid leaders do is that they want the security of the crowd. They trust in large numbers. And this was one of the things that God is going to have to look at um, Gideon at and say, Gideon, I need you to back down. So when the call went out for Israel to come, 32,000 people come. But what do we know about a paranoid leader? They like to trust in the crowd. What God said was, you do not get to trust in the numbers. You get to trust me. So what happened, there's the process where they go from 32,000 down to 300. And what does that mean? It's always better to lead with less and have God than to lead with more and not have God. Now, the danger zone for these leaders is that fear takes them down a road of continual questions where no answer is good enough. And that's what Gideon did with God. He kept asking him question after question after question after question. He kept putting forth, well, this circumstance has to be perfect. The answer that God gave Gideon and Gideon had to learn was this. It was threefold. The presence of God, the promise of God, and the people of God. God told Gideon, if you're going to overcome and be the leader I want you to be, then you're going to have to deal with the fact that I'm present and I'm with you. My promise that I'm going to be the one who will perform and deliver Israel. And I'm going to do that by sending you the right people, the right team. So leadership extremes, I can do it all. The leadership extreme of, of being somebody who uh, is just becoming that kind of paranoid leader. And then there's another kind of leader, and that is that self-obsessed leader. But let's deal with one more. 
the ethically challenged leader. Now, that ethically challenged leader is a man named Samson. And this was the leader that the rules didn't apply to them. This was the person who said, those rules are fine for everyone else, but they don't apply. And so when he saw a young lady that he found attractive, it didn't matter that the covenant said that he was to stay within the confines of Israel. He immediately looked to his father and mother and said, hey, I want you to go get that young lady for me. And even when the parents offered advice, they ignored advice. And then what we find out is that he would play games. There were things that God said were the absolutes in life, but he would play games. And then they would forget the priorities. And so here we are. We're dealing with the fact that this is a leader who is ethically challenged. In the danger zone for them, what's good for everyone else doesn't apply for them. That's the danger zone. Somehow they're exempt as a leader. The answer for them is, you've got to go back to the basics. What is it that God says and what is it that God told? We have four different leaders. Moses, I can do it all. We have the idea of the self-obsessed leader, King Saul, ignoring every boundary. We have the paranoid leader of Gideon. He is so much in fear that he's not usable to God. And then you have the ethically challenged. You have Samson. In your life, you have to identify what are the extremes that you're subject to. Where are the places that you're most prone to get out of bounds? And you need to look at those areas and be honest and say, hey, how do I avoid the extremes of leadership? What could get the best of me? Because the only thing worse than not leading is to be the leader that leads people to the wrong location because you weren't worthy of being a leader. Now, when I use that word, We understand in Christian circles, our leadership is all about Christ. But as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You have to be a profound follower of God so that when people follow you, they end up at a destination that is worth going to. Just some simple thoughts. I pray that it helps you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.